Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new podcast episode. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about Walt Disney's 1940 classic, Pinocchio. Yes, Pinocchio. It is the second, the second Disney, like, the, the second Disney movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, gosh, going back to Pinocchio, I remember growing up, I was, I think growing up, I was a bit mixed on this film, like, for a little while. Like, I loved Pinocchio, um, the character, of course, but I feel like the movie and even the ride in Disneyland, I'll never forget that one in Snow White's Ride, because they were both very dark rides. Um, but I remember growing up and being terrified of Pinocchio, like, like the ride. And then the movie, like I said, I was just kind of like, eh, because so many bad things happen in this film. So many bad things happen in this movie to Pinocchio to the point where you're kind of like, okay, like, dude, is he going to catch a break? Like, I don't know. Like, I was just very sad about Pinocchio because there was so much going on with him. Um, but yeah, the movie was such a good, like, overall, like, growing up now, now that I'm an adult, I actually love Pinocchio. I think it's in my top 10, along with Snow White, surprisingly. These two movies, I feel like, really stood the test of time for me, and I... I mean, they're iconic. You know, you get the you get the most iconic Disney song of all time. You know, with, with Snow White, she's the first princess, so that's a big deal. But with Pinocchio, you know, a lot of times, like, movies like that just kind of, like, fall by the wayside. And I guess maybe to some degree it has in, in the newer, like, with younger kids and young generations. But the song When You Wish Upon a Star and even Jiminy Cricket and I are, like, such standout characters. I, I have to say Pinocchio, too, because I really feel like he's right there with him. I can't, for me, I can't say Jiminy Cricket and not say Pinocchio. I just can't. I can't. Cause I, like, for me, Pinocchio is such an iconic character. Anytime I see Pinocchio in the parks, I geek out. I remember the first time that I, like, in my memory, um, as an adult seeing him, um, I think I was, like, in Fantasyland for whatever reason. I was walking through Fantasyland and I was going by the Pinocchio's restaurant. At the time, it was still Pinocchio's restaurant. It was not the our is it even no it's like beast tavern or whatever it is now but um i was walking by there and right next to like pinocchio's right i feel like anna and elsa were there like i think i think it was either rapunzel or anna and elsa that like you could meet them in disneyland at that time in their little like thing right next to Pinocchio's ride and right right between Pinocchio's ride and Pinocchio's restaurant there was like a place you could meet like Anna and Elsa or Rapunzel and Flynn I can't remember who was there at the time but I was walking through and King Arthur's carousel's right there and there's Pinocchio and I was like what Pinocchio like what are you doing here like I, I haven't seen him outside of parades and stuff I didn't see him often so it was so crazy to be connected and I was going I went all the time you guys I was like a premium pass holder at that time so I was always there but I never really got to see him. And so I saw him. I was like, oh my gosh. And I, like, I didn't look at schedules. I didn't ask hosts. I honestly didn't even know what a host was at the time. Like, it never occurred to me that the people around the Disney characters had names. I kid you not. I didn't care. I seriously didn't care enough. Um, like, I, I would see the characters. I, would, I was like, yeah, I want to get a picture or whatever. But I never thought about who they were. <laughs> I kid you not. Somebody out here is laughing right now listening to this and just like, you're lying. I swear to you. I did not even know what they were. I didn't even care. Now, of course, I know what they are. Like, I've been to the parks enough to know who they are now. And I've actually asked, like, what is your job? And now I know. But back in the day, I did not know. Anyway, so, yeah, like, I saw Pinocchio and I remember just freaking out. And then the same day I saw, I think it was, is it Kitty and an Honest John? Is it Kitty? I think it, he's called him Kitty. And then Honest John, obviously, is the other one saying the fox. And I saw them too the same day. And I was like, what the... And then I, I've seen Pinocchio or Pinocchio, Geppetto recently there. So 
it's getting like those little spurts of Pinocchio characters that just like freak me out and I love it. It was so cool. And then like I remember the Christmas fantasy parade where it was Pinocchio and I think Geppetto was like driving the it's now Toy Story themed. I think that that part of the the part of the parade. But at the time it was um Geppetto, he was like driving the little toy train or whatever it was and then Pinocchio was on it, Jimmy Cricket was on it. It was so so cute. And yeah, that's why I say Pinocchio is one of the most iconic characters to me. And growing up, like I said, his story was just so, like, foreboding because he's got, like, Honest John and, and Kitty who were obviously bad people. He had um, Stromboli, who was terrible. He had um, the coachman, really bad. They, the donkey, the, the treasure island, so bad. Um, or pleasure island, sorry, so bad. And then, of course, Monstro. There were just so many, like, negative elements to this movie that I can see. Like, I have friends who are like, I don't like Pinocchio. And I'm always like, why? And they give me their reason, and it's always because there's so much going on in that movie. And there really was. I would say, I think Pinocchio and Snow White, I think, are two two Disney movies that I love because they, they're really the darker times of Disney. When Disney allowed villains to just be villains, and they're not really redeemable. None of the villains in Pinocchio are redeemable, except for maybe Honest John and Kitty, and not even them, because they do kind of sell the boy out to the coachman who then takes him to Pleasure, uh, Pleasure Island. So there's really no redeemable bad guys in this movie. It's just a movie full of bad guys. And it's kind of random. Like, like Monstro is so random in this film to me. He's just, like, why? Like, why did they need this, this sea creature in this? But it's just like, I don't know, Pinocchio is just, it's, it's riddled with those kind of things. But at the very heart of the movie, well, at the core of the movie, there's a lot of heart. You know, you really feel for for Geppetto. He's by himself. You know, he's a clockmaker. Um, they don't really go into much of how the town sees Geppetto in that version, which is which is interesting because a lot of different variations of Pinocchio. Um, I'm thinking of the movie with Drew Carey called Geppetto, and of course the newest one, uh, Pinocchio with uh, Tom Hanks. They kind of do give you an idea of who. Geppetto is and how the town sees Geppetto like you know like what kind of person they think he is and you know that he's a clockmaker. um he's a woodcarver people love his works but he won't sell them for this because they're all very sentimental to him so there's a lot of different variations of him that really kind of give more to that character that I that I kind of appreciate and I kind of put that into my version of Pinocchio of the animated film um because even though we really don't get a lot of that we do get a lot of Jiminy Cricket in the animated feature and we get to kind of see where he's coming from he starts off as like like a poor cricket with no hearth um and then he finally sees Geppetto and he's lonely he's got you know Figaro who for whatever reason Figaro has now become Minnie Mouse's cat and I don't I'm scared I'm taking a drink or something thank you excuse me and I don't get it I have no idea who in the world thought we're just gonna randomly give Figaro over to Minnie Mouse I still want to know why that was like who was in the decision-making room and said, hey, Minnie needs a cat, but not only does she need a cat, she needs Pinocchio's cat, which technically kind of makes Figaro one of the most relevant characters in Pinocchio because he's been in so many things since then. I don't even know if Figaro is still a male cat in Minnie Mouse's, like, universe. I'm assuming he is, but I could be wrong. I really don't know. But I'm like, where did, why? Well, how did this happen? So it's so weird that Figaro, out of all the characters, has probably been out of all the characters in Pinocchio has probably been featured in more Disney properties than any of the other characters in Pinocchio. Figaro, the non-speaking cat. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could be weirder. It could be Cleo, but it, it really is like him. He has been the most 
um, reoccurring figure in Pinocchio outside of the world of Pinocchio. So kind of cool. Don't understand the logic or how that became a thing, but it is a thing now. Um, I remember like I was buying a little Mickey Mouse toy set for my niece once and it was all Minnie Mouse themed like to a, a little Disney TV series. I didn't watch it, but it was like a bow, bow, bow shop or boutique or whatever. And sure enough, in the toy set, there's like a bird and then there's Figaro. And I'm like, like, what? And then even in Disneyland, you can see Figaro at the fantasy fair, the princess fantasy fair. I saw him there once and I was like, what are you doing here? Like Pinocchio's ride is on the other, like it's not too far away, but it's like, it's in proper fantasy land and here you are hanging out over here. So it was so weird. It, it, it's interesting how Figaro has his own little little story outside of Pinocchio. I think, I think it's great. But yeah, so Pinocchio is just one of those movies, I think for me, that's always really stuck with me. The life lessons I think that Pinocchio learned. Um, you know, as a, as, as, a, as a kid, yeah, but also as an adult and having nephews and nieces and stuff in my life now and seeing the little ones growing up and the mistakes that they're making, it, it's very like surreal. Because as a kid, you're just, you're, you're like, you know, you're making mistakes. You don't really think about the consequences. You don't really know what's going to happen from moment to moment. But as an adult, you can kind of see, like, oh, wow, yeah, that is, that, that's a choice. <laughs> like, that's, that's a choice to make. Um, yeah, like, I don't know, it really, it resonates with me different now. Like, I, I used to feel like I could see through the eyes of Pinocchio and understand him. But now I feel like I'm more in the place of, like, I'm not even really at, at a Geppetto place. So I'm not a parent. I mean, I'm an uncle, which is kind of like being a parent. But, like, I'm... Not really at his stage of life either, but I can sort of like, I'm somewhere in the middle of both of these things because Geppetto is a much older man who's had a lot more life experience than I have. And, you know, he's, he's a sad, lonely guy, but then he, you know, he makes this boy and then he, you know, is like, I have a son. He he has a legacy now. And so he's excited and all these things, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's so, it's so such a different dynamic. You know, he's on his way to say it, but he's on his way out of life and Pinocchio's just starting his. And so they're at two very different places and they meet somewhere in the middle. And I feel like I'm that somewhere in the middle between young and older. So it's, it's interesting, but like I said, I really love the characters in this film. I love Jiminy Cricket. He's such a such a great, iconic character. I think he is. I, I can't remember who plays the voice of, of Jiminy Cricket. I don't, I don't have my phone in front of me to, like, look up the names and stuff of these characters. Maybe I do, actually. Let me look this up. I think Donnie Jones plays Pinocchio. I'm pretty sure I know that. Or I think at the time he went by Dickie Jones, though. I'm pretty sure. Because, like, I, I used to, like... When I was younger, I loved all the Disney voice actors, like, you know, the younger ones, the older ones, like Bobby Driscoll. Uh, that's when I became a huge fan of him. So, and, you know, and I also became a huge fan of, of Dickie Jones as well because he was the voice of, of Pinocchio. So let me look it up. Yep, I was right. It's Dickie Jones. That is who is the voice of Pinocchio. It's got five, a 7.5 stars on IMDb. So good for them. Dickie Jones. Um, the voice of Geppetto was by Christian Rubb. Interesting name. Um, Gideon was Mel Blanc. I feel like I should know who that is. Um, Billy Bleacher was the Donkeys. Okay, I, he's been in other Disney things too. Um, Don Brody was um, Carnival Barker. I didn't know that was his name. Okay, Barker? Barker. That's interesting. Um, let me see. Walter Catlett was the voice of Jay Worthington Foulfellow. I feel like I know who that is. Is that, is that, I think that's, um, what's his name? Honest John, right? I think that's who Honest John is. 
Gideon. It's not Gideon. It's Gideon. Thank you. It's Gideon. And they call him Foul Fellow, but his name is Honest John. Or no, that's the name that he gives himself. I'm sorry. Foul, Foul Fellow is his actual name. I apologize. Honest John is not his actual name. He calls himself Honest John, saying that he's an honest person, but he's clearly a liar. There we go. Um, I'm only going to read the ones that are important. Frankie Darrow is the voice of Lampwick, who, by the way, I love Lampwick. Like, one of my favorite characters. Um, the wooden Russian soldiers were voiced by Walt Disney. Did not know that. Um, and then Cliff Edwards was the iconic Cliff Edwards, was the voice of Jiminy Cricket, who I, like, chef's kiss. Love him so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. This movie for me was just, it was such a good film. I really did love this movie. Like I said, growing up, it took a while to really get into, but once I got into it, I was like absolutely in love with it. Um, ha, okay. I'm going to read this. It says, Figaro was Walt Disney's favorite character in Pinocchio from 1940. Disney pushed for the kitten to appear in the film as much as possible. Interesting. After the film, Disney swapped Minnie Mouse's, um, Pekingese Fifi with Figaro, starting with the cartoon First Aiders. Uh, Figaro also got his own series of Figaro cartoons, beginning with Figaro and Cleo in 1943. I did not know that. He would have um, he would have had four cartoons of his own. To, hold on, I'm sorry. Yeah, he would have he would have four cartoons of his own, two appearances in the Pluto cartoon series, and also an appearance. In the promotional um, animated wartime short, all together, for a total of seven cartoon appearances. This plus the one feature film, Pinocchio, makes eight appearances of figure overall. Interesting. I, I did not know that. So that's how much he loved the character. Oh, that's really cute for good for Figaro. I don't know why Figaro was the favorite. I know I kind of get it. Walt Disney, I think, has a thing for spicy characters. Characters that are very like spicy. Spicy is the wrong word. Spicy is the word I want to use. Um has a thing for, like, feisty characters, I think. I think he, he might have been a feisty man in his life. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I, I feel like I, I get that from him, is that he would like feisty characters. Because I'm thinking about the character that Figaro is, and I think he's the most, like, feisty, fight-backish character in the movie, probably besides Lampwick. But I, I don't think Walt Disney was a fan of, like, like feisty people or feisty kids. Um, but, well, I think, well, Lampwick was kind of a bully, Sort of. So it's kind of a different thing. I think Figaro just kind of stood up for himself. So very different. But he does have an epiphany for those kind of kids. Because I've noticed in a lot of Walt Disney films, um, 50s, 60s, 70s, a lot of the kids that are more feisty and don't take junk from anyone but get picked on and they're kind of smaller, kind of weaker. Um, I think that's the more, like character type I think that Walt Disney likes and so I think Figaro that kind of makes sense for for Figaro and a little bit of Pinocchio too but Pinocchio is not really feisty Pinocchio is more just like naive in my personal opinion um let's see I want to like hmm Okay, originally budgeted at $500,000, the, the development of the film caused it to go way over budget, as had Snow White and the Seven Doors, I remember that, and ultimately costing $2.5 million, one of the most expensive films produced at the time. Yeah, that, that sounds correct. Um, I, just, I think of the, the travesty, I don't like to say that word, but I, yeah, I think of the travesty that was Sleeping Beauty. I don't think travesty is in the movie was bad. I'm saying as the budget for Sleeping Beauty, because that movie literally got people fired because it cost over $6 million to make. So I, when, I, when I say travesty, I think of the people that lost their jobs animating 
to me, the greatest animated film of all time. Now, when I'm saying the greatest animated film of all time, am I saying it is the best story? No. That goes to me, that goes to Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid is the complete package for me. But Sleeping Beauty is the greatest animated film when it comes to the animation of all time. I can't believe that that was all hand-drawn work by these, I mean, the, the, the nine old men of Disney are just completely iconic. We can't, we're, Mark Davis, all the others, we can't deny that. But like $6 million and just the, the work that they put in the architecture and Sleeping Beauty is some of the most, like, it's some of the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Even now, I don't think I've seen even anything in computer animation, in my opinion, that is as beautifully stunning as Sleeping Beauty. And I never will, because I will always give computer animation a different, like, credit than hand-drawn animation and stop-motion animation. I will always give hand-drawn animation, like, just... Because that's, like, literally done by someone's hand. And just the... It's it's just so seamless in Sleeping Beauty. I don't know if you guys have ever really sat there and watched that movie, but it, it is so seamless. Getting back to Pinocchio, though. Speaking of the animation, the animation in Pinocchio is just absolutely amazing as well. It still holds up today. It's very clean. And to be honest, I think a lot of the earlier Disney films have better animation than a lot of the stuff that they've done in the last... Well, to be fair, they haven't done an animated feature, I think, since Winnie the Pooh, which um, the new Winnie the Pooh, like... The animation when that was good, I'm not going to say it wasn't good, but it's nothing like the classic Disney animation. And I just, Pinocchio is one of those films that's just so beautifully done. My favorite shot in Pinocchio is the opening scene, just of the town, the sleepy town. Like, I shouldn't say the opening scene, that's not the opening scene, but when Jiminy, like, finally, like, opens the book and then you see the town and it just, like, zooms in to the, like, the little Italian town, I, the, the village, I love that shot. It's such a great shot. It's a great moment. Um, that alone was just like the best part of the movie to me. Um, and even some of the, sometimes when you see like a little bit more of the town, like later on as the daybreak comes and the kids are going off to school and you see people like jumping out water of their, like their terraces and stuff. It's such a nice, like cozy type movie. I love Pinocchio. I just, I really, really do. Um, so many scenes and the songs, of course, Little Wooden Head is a great song. When It Wish Upon a Star is a great song, like just great it's a great movie. It, it truly is a great movie. And I don't know, like the characters in that to me are just so, they're so memorable and they're so, they're so much fun. Um, everyone really serves a purpose. It, it's still like Snow White where some characters just don't have names and you're kind of like, but you should. Like, I, well, I don't know, maybe not because I think everyone in this movie does have a name. I'm thinking Figaro, Cleo, both have names. The co Well, the coachman, I didn't know how to name. I guess it's Barker or whatever. I didn't know. No, it's not. No, it's not. I didn't know the coachman, like, I, I don't think the coachman has a name, but, like, Stromboli has a name, um, Foulfellow, Honest John, and Gideon have names, um, Monstro is Monstro, the Blue Fairy, um, who I, I feel like should have a name. I love the Blue Fairy, too, because she gave me, like, an older Cinderella vibe. Like, I saw Cinderella first when I was a kid, if I can remember correctly. Um, excuse me, I'm drinking some cranberry ginger ale right now. Anyway. But yeah, she gave me like such an like an elegant, more elegant Cinderella vibe. Like I can see her being like Cinderella's mother or something, something like that. Um, but I love. But she also has like a very Snow White reminiscent face, except for the blue eyes and the blonde hair. There's something very like similar in style between her design and Snow White's design in the face, which I love. I think that's great too. It kind of is a little bit of an homage to, in my opinion, for me, 
it's a little bit of an homage to Snow White. Because every time I watch Pinocchio, I'm like, that's right. Like, she looks like Snow White a little bit in the face. Which makes sense, because that was the previous film. Um, which is interesting that Snow White's first two films were about two dark-haired protagonists. I don't, I don't know. I think they both wear... Actually, they both wear the same colors, don't they? Because Snow White's color scheme is yellow, red, and blue. Right? Yeah. And then in Pinocchio's outfit... And white, there's white in her in her outfit too, and she's got black hair. But Pinocchio's color scheme is basically the same. He's got a yellow hat. I think there's like a blue trim on it. He's also got red in his pants, white in his pants, the yellow shirt, the blue. Yeah, they, they do. I, I'm gonna look this up again. I'm pretty sure I'm correct, but they have the same color scheme. I mean, after this movie, it goes all that all goes completely, you know, down the drain, and they do different colors and stuff. But I'm fairly certain that those two first films have the same color schemes when it comes to the, the main characters. I know Snow White's colors because I've seen her so many times. I've seen the movie so many times. But yeah, I'm looking at his color scheme right now, and he's got the same colors in his color scheme as she does. In fact, I think their shoes, like, I think he's wearing clogs, but the shoes, I think, are the same color because his shoes are brown, and I'm pretty sure Snow White's shoes are brown, too. I know the Seven Dwarves have brown shoes, but I'm pretty sure he has brown shoes, too. And... I think Snow White, in the beginning of Snow White, starts out the film with a blue bow in her hair. And he has a blue bow on his shirt. So, cute. I love that for them. I, did, am I making that up? I don't think I'm making that up. I think Snow White does start out... Well, on the cover of the film, the box cover of the film, she's got a blue bow in her hair. But I think even at the very beginning, when she's, like, doing the... She's literally out... Homegirl's literally out there sweeping the the stairs. I was like, how petty can you be to make your stepdaughter out there sweeping the damn stairs, the stone stairs? If you don't get your ass off that throne and help me out, bitch, you're going to have problems. <laughs> I curse on the... If you're new here, I curse on this podcast. No shame about it. You don't like it. Please find somewhere else to be. I don't know what to tell you. Um, But yeah, no, yeah, I see it. She does have like a blue bow in her hair. Is this meant to be some sort of symbolism? Like, did... I, was this purposefully done where they were like, hey, you know, Snow I'm not saying the movies are like connected necessarily because I think Snow White takes place in Germany while his film takes place in Italy. I believe that's true. Also, I'm going to say that is true because I remember that in the new movie, Luca, there is Pinocchio. Pinocchio is one of the parts of that movie, which I knew was going to happen. When I found out the setting for Luca, I was like, y'all, so when is Pinocchio going to come through in this movie? So when is it going to happen? And when he does, I was like, Pinocchio, Gideon, and uh, Foulfellow Fellow are all in that movie. You don't, if you guys don't know that, it's the part where Julietta, I think is her name is, um, shows her like her her like space collection or her telescope or some junk, and he's like reading through it and he's getting ideas in his mind, and they go off on this like planet and they see Pinocchio, Foulfellow, Fellow, and Gideon walking uh, Pinocchio like from school, and it's like the cutest thing. But yeah, so that's another thing, and that's kind of cool too. I wanted to talk about um, that as well. I don't know if I did that in the Snow White episode, but I want to talk about how the the influence of this film has inspired other films too. I mean, for me, every time I think about Pinocchio, I can't help but think about Peter Pan and vice versa. I think about, you know, the other kids in Disney and Pinocchio was the very first one. I mean, Snow White was like 14, I think, in her film, but Pinocchio was like the first child in Disney. It was it was him. And after him came Bambi, came Pinocchio or uh, Dumbo, all the other little kids. Um, but he was the very, very first one. And Dickie Jones was the very first I guess, child Disney star. Bobby Driscoll was like the, the, the blueprint, I think, for all of the, um, the the big, big stars to come. Dickie Jones didn't do as much through Disney, but he was the first of the kids besides the little girl from the Alice comedies um, and some other kids too. But he was like 
the you know the first one in a speaking role in the animated film. So that was really cool for him to have that opportunity. And it, he had a career for many, many years after. So it wasn't like he just did this and then kind of went away, which is really great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, Pinocchio to me is, it's, it's still very iconic to this day. Like I said, I mean, there was just a brand new version of Pinocchio with, with Tom Hanks. And even though I didn't care for that version as much, it's still a thing. Um, and I love to see like older films like Pinocchio and, and Dumbo getting these new adaptations, even though they're not the greatest thing in the world, it does still bring people to those old films. Like some way, somehow it still brings more people, more generations into those films. I know like for me, um, one of my friends, um, he has like three kids and anytime that there's a new Disney movie and their kids haven't seen the old one, he'll have them watch the old one. I've, I've seen it happen. He'll have them watch the old one first and go, this is what you're probably going to see in this movie. It might look a little different, but this is what it's going to be on, on film. And I love that. And even if you go to the Disney parks today, you can see rides like Pinocchio and Dumbo and all those other ones too. And I've even seen Bambi merch recently too, which I'm like, love that because that's another film that, you know, while it doesn't have a remake yet. It's one of the older Disney films, and it's great how Disney, I think, even with these live-action films not being the greatest, it's kind of recycling the work. So it's like, if you haven't seen the older version of this, there's a newer one coming. And if you have, if you want to see the older version, we have this thing called Disney Plus that you can watch it on, or you can, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of cool. And and, and them re-releasing the films every couple of years, every 10-ish years, bringing it out of the vault um, to be bought by another generation is very smart because it's like, you kind of don't, after every 10 years, you kind of don't miss a kid in a way, some way, shape, or form. You kind of don't miss a kid if you're dropping the movie every 10 years. Like, Little Mermaid's come out, it's been, what, almost, it's been 30, 33 years. We're the same age. So in 33 years, that movie's come out, like, to own, I think, four or five times in the last 33 years. That's kind of impressive. I think that's kind of cool. Like, it, it, and then there's also been like, um, like musical versions of it. There was a TV series that she's appeared on other shows too. So it's keeping these characters relevant. Now, some of these characters could use a lot more love and, and work. Um, but Pinocchio really isn't one of those, in my opinion. I've seen so many adaptations of Pinocchio, some that I love, some that I don't care for. Um, I'm going to get into that too in this, in this episode, because there is a lot of, of different kind of Pinocchios, but I always go back to the original from Walt Disney, the 1940 version, because that is amazing. Um, a few other versions of Pinocchio that I have personally seen, I'm not going to name everything because there's so many, but the ones I have seen that I really have enjoyed or connected with, um, I'm going to start with Rankin Bass's version, the Pinocchio's Christmas, which I just watched recently. Excuse me, for my Rankin Bass episode that is coming up. And yeah, I, I thought it was a cute version of Pinocchio. Um, and I think it was released around the time of Pinocchio's like re-release, like it's 50th or maybe not 50th. It could have been 50th or like 40th anniversary or some junk like that. And so they wanted to make a little bit of money off that. So they said, hey, we're going to do Pinocchio's Christmas. And it's not a terrible movie, actually. I, I grew up, well, I came to it late. I think I was like, either a young adult or my teenage years when I found out this movie was a thing. And I remember going like, what the heck? This is crazy. Because it's probably one of the more closer versions to the Disney version than other things that I've seen. Um, but I really did enjoy um, that movie for what it was. Now, as far as the Rankin-Bass ratings go, it's probably on the lower end for me because Rankin-Bass has done some really good work before and after that movie. But still, I appreciated that movie for what it was. And I thought it was kind of cute that uh, Rankin-Bass even thought to do a story of Pinocchio, um, 
yeah, that was, that was interesting. Another version, um, I can't, I think it's just called Pinocchio, but it's an Italian version of Pinocchio where, um, there's an older gentleman playing the character of Pinocchio. And I think, I don't know his name, but I think the brother from Herbie Fully Loaded with Lindsay Lohan, um, I think he's also in the movie The Craft. He's one of the, like, the punks in The Craft. Craft. I can't think of anything that he's been in that was, like, he was the main star of. I think he was also in Clueless with, with Brittany Murphy. I think he was Brittany Murphy's boyfriend in Clueless. Um, anyway, the reason I bring him up, he is the English dub um, actor for that Pinocchio movie that I'm talking about. Um, it was an Italian version of Pinocchio, like, like, Again, with with an Italian actor and an Italian cast, and it was it done in subtitles and uh, a really good movie. That's actually one of my favorite versions of Pinocchio as well. I think that actor even came back for a newer version of Pinocchio that came out not so long ago, where he plays Geppetto in this. So the actor who played Pinocchio, who's already a full grown man, um, came back and did another version of Pinocchio playing Geppetto in more recent years. So I really want to get my hands on that. I want to watch that one and see if that was any good. But the version he was in was good too, which is very sad. Because I remember um, that one being a more somber version. But closer to closer to the little Pinocchio comic sketches that came out, you know, when I was, uh, not when I was a kid, far before my time, when Walt Disney was a kid. Um, I remember, you know, that those being very sad stories. And Pinocchio actually like squashes Jiminy Cricket. Um, in those stories. He gets so tired of his crap that he's like, look, I don't want to listen to you. And he ends up killing him. And I think we even see like a ghost version of Jiminy Cricket in the actual like retellings of the story, like the actual stories that came out about Pinocchio. So Pinocchio was a, a far more batty and and it was it was quite dark um, in the original tellings of the Pinocchio story. So there's, a, what I mean to say in this is that, excuse me, the Walt Disney version is technically a much more lighthearted version of Pinocchio than the actual Pinocchio stories that were released a very long time ago. Um, so it's interesting because, like I said, that's a, that's a really big thing about um, a lot of my friends who are just like, I feel like Pinocchio is so dark and I don't like it because it's dark and stuff. And it's like, if you think that's bad, read the actual Pinocchio stories. You will see. I, in fact, I think I have the book. I remember in Barnes & Noble, I bought um, P- uh, The Story of Peter Pan, Sorry, Little Mermaid, Hans Christian Andersen's like complete works, and I think also another one was in fact it's sitting right in front of me. If I have it, it's gonna sit right in front of me because I have my like book collection. I'm gonna walk over to it right now. You're gonna come with me. You don't even know you're coming. We're we're going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship. Let me see what do I have. I have Peter Pan, Little Mermaid. Oh, it's called the Blue Fairy Book. That's what this is. Okay, I haven't even... I've had these books for, like, almost a decade, and I have not even read them. I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. So naughty. So naughty. Um, let's take a look. I'm still going to get back into what I was talking about. But, yeah, the story of um, Pinocchio was a really dark one, actually. All right, I want to see. Are there any Pinocchio stories in here? I have Snow White and Rose Red, Rose 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 Red. Sorry, um, I don't see anything about. I have the Forty Thieves. Well, I want to read that one. Me loves the Forty Thieves. Weird. I have nothing with Pinocchio in it. I thought for sure, like for sure, for sure, that I had Pinocchio in here. Really? I I thought I had the books of Pinocchio. I'm going to 
I'm going to look into that. I could have sworn I bought the books of, like, little Pinocchio books. I could have sworn I did that. Is something ripped in my book? There better not. Oh, there's not. Okay, something ripped in there. Yeah, I could have sworn I did. I don't know why. I was like, I I hadn't, I believed that I bought, maybe I thought I saw a blue fairy and I thought, oh, it must be that. But no, I, I could have sworn I bought a book of Pinocchio stories. I, I don't know. I th yeah, because I thought it was a yellow book. I thought for sure I bought a yellow book of stories. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I Well, I don't know. I don't know where it is now, but I'm going to look for it because I'm pretty sure. By the way, in my book collection over here, I'm going to get back to Pinocchio. I promise y'all. I'm not trying to like stall for time or anything. Um, I have so many different things that are like Disney based. Like I said, like I have the Peter Pan, uh, the Jan Berry. I have um, Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. My mom, the book that I have from that, from that particularly, I think is from Belgium, um, where a lot of my mom's family is from. And they brought this book over. So it's a really cool, very awesome animated or illustrated book. Um, I love that book. I grew up with that with that book. So I grew up with the story of Alice in Wonderland, not just Alice in Wonderland, but through the Looking Glass. So I also have um, the uh, the Chronicles of Perdane, which I'm getting through. This is a Welsh tale, um, and yeah, I, it's also you know it as the Black Cauldron. So I'm actually reading through those as well. Um, I've got like a whole bunch of other books in here, and I see one called Once Upon a Time, and I'm going to get into that right now because speaking of Pinocchio. Pinocchio is also another character in the show Once Upon a Time that was done by Disney and ABC. And even though I didn't care too much for his story arc, because I feel like they kind of ripped it off a little bit, I did like what I did see of it. Um, I loved, like, the whole thing of him turning into wood. Um, if he, like, I guess if he's honest to his dad or some kind of spell that was on, on Pinocchio um, in that show. The one thing I didn't like was that there were so many, like quote-unquote suitors for Emma in the show and he was one of them technically um but then again so was like her Neil like Bellfire and then of course like Hook but and then like sort of Mad Hatter there were there seemed to be quite a few guys interested in Emma and I didn't like the direction they took and I thought they kind of had her and Hook together for too long and did too much and then kind of sidelined literally every other guy in the show that she wasn't with so like the Pinocchio and her thing kind of went nowhere, but then also the whole her and Neil, like the one of the main characters in the first couple seasons, that storyline went nowhere. And Neil just got a shitty end of that stick. That was just terrible. Um, but the moments of Pinocchio in the show, I will say that I did absolutely love because I loved to, to see it. Like, you know, him and his, his papa in the wood shop. And that was really cute. I loved that. And the blue fairy stuff in there was cute, too. And her and Grumpy being a thing was also very cute too. I, I loved that. So yeah, I mean, there were some really cool references to Pinocchio in that show. And another thing about Pinocchio from that show, um, one of the Peter Pan, the boy who plays Peter Pan in that version of Peter Pan for Once Upon a Time, he actually played Pinocchio first on another show that was a little a mini series about Pinocchio. So a short-lived mini series about Pinocchio. I want to say um, Geppetto was the, the dad or the Eddie Valiant from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Who I think also went on to do something like Mr. Smee work in Peter Pan, a version of Peter Pan. So that was kind of cool too to see him play that um, in that version of Pinocchio. I only saw the first two episodes. I, I don't know if there was any more than that, but I saw that too. And then I want to get into, of course, 
the Jonathan Taylor Thomas version of Pinocchio, which has a sequel too. There's The Adventures of Pinocchio and then I think The New Adventures of Pinocchio. Both films are absolutely great. I have to say, even though the sequel was done on a much smaller budget, and that's obvious, I still really enjoyed the sequel. In fact, I've watched the, the sequel to that one more than I have the original version with, with John and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Nothing that isn't a good film. It is a really good live, live adaptation of Pinocchio. I just like the second one better for some reason. I don't know what that's about. And I have to give them credit because they use like a real life puppet in those two films. And that's what I really was, was really upset about with Disney and their new adaptation of Pinocchio. They didn't even bother to use a real life puppet. And I was like, why? Why did you make him so computer animated? He just looks like he doesn't belong in the film because he looks just like the animated version of Pinocchio. And that was my issue. I was like, if they're going to, if they're going to bring in a live, like, if they're going to bring in um, um, the actual, like, animated Pinocchio but make him look more realistic, they're going to have to find a little boy who looks enough like him for it to not look aw awkward when he finally becomes human. You know what I mean? What I'm, what I'm saying here? And they didn't even bother to do that. They were like, no. And at the very end of the film, spoiler alert, you don't actually see him human. You see a human leg, and that's literally, like, maybe even a hand, and that's it. You don't ever get to see Pinocchio's human face you get to see the kid it was based off of sort of because you get like a picture of him but you never get to see Pinocchio as a human and so to me I was like well then what was the point of this anyway you could have easily just done a mar marionette based off of whatever live action actor that you have and just go with that and that's Pinocchio we don't need to see the Pinocchio from the original film it was kind of like when people were complaining about the Lion King and saying like oh you know you could have made them look more like the animated but it's like no the whole point of it is it's a live action remake now granted it wasn't because it was still computer animated because you can't make lions, you know, do these things. But at the same time, it's like I get where they were going with with that version of, of The Lion King and trying to make it look as real to life as possible. And yes, animals are not as expressive as, you know, an animated, you know, tiger or animated lion. It's not going to be the same. But I got where they were going with that. With this one, it was confusing because you made Jiminy Cricket not look just like Jiminy Cricket. Geppetto obviously doesn't look just like Geppetto from the animated, so why would you make Pinocchio look like he comes straight out of the animated version, except far less appealing? He looks weird to me in this movie. I don't know if it's the eyebrows or what, but he looks strange in this movie. Where in the animated film, he doesn't at all. He looks like he belongs there, but in this one, it looks like he just popped out from the animated film and is like, this is me, live action, and it's like... Who needs to see that? Nobody. Like, it was, just, it was, it wasn't even like, you know, it wasn't even like Disneyland looking Pinocchio, right? It wasn't even that. It was just straight up like, a, it felt like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I feel like I was being punked watching that. Because I'm like, certain things are animated, they don't need to be animated. Like the cat, whatever, I don't care about Figaro enough for, to be upset about him being animated. But Figaro doesn't really come straight out of the other film. He looks like an actual cat. To, to, to most degree. But Pinocchio does not look right to me at all. And it sucks that they didn't even bother using an actual puppet, having a puppeteer come in there. You could have paid a puppeteer. That would have been pretty awesome. I don't, well, there still could have been a puppeteer on set, but it would have been kind of cool to see, like, a puppeteer, you know, and Pinocchio. But, like, make him look non, like, the, the animated film. That's my only thing. And that's what I love about the Jonathan Taylor Thomas films, or that film and its sequel, is that they chose to use... Uh, a puppet who looks enough like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. In fact, if you have the VHS of that, you might have gotten the 3D holographic card that I got, where one, if you have it on one side, it's like the puppet, and then if you like move it because it's holographic, it'll be Jonathan Taylor Thomas and his father. That was kind of cool. 
Um, but yeah, I really liked that story as well. And it talks about, um, excuse me, how Pinocchio was made, why he exists the way he does, that he was made out of, out of love between Geppetto and this woman. Um, they, he carved their hearts in a tree and then he made Pinocchio out of that pine and that the love that they shared is the reason why Pinocchio came to life. I love that idea of the story. And I was hoping for that to come out in the new one. Um, even though I do like some of the premise of the new Pinocchio, like when I first watched it, I was at work actually, when I first watched the, um, opening scenes of that movie, um, and I remember just getting chills and thinking I was going to love it because I loved how they introduced like that, that he had a son, his son passed away and he just wanted to like have that, that relationship back. I loved that idea. I remember even kind of getting a little bit like teary eyed because I was like, I love that they're introducing the fact that he had a son once, like an actual son, but his son passed away. And this is like a labor of love sort of thing. I, that part of that, the new movie was genius Everything else just completely fell flat for me. But that part of the movie was the best part of the movie. The, like the opening five to ten-ish minutes of the new Pinocchio, mwah, that was great. Everything after that, no comment. I got so out of that movie at one point that I'm like, I don't even care what's happening anymore. I don't get, who cares about this? But <laughs> And like the, the night creature things, what was that? Like, I, So many questions. I have so many questions. I, I think, I yeah, I kind of think I know what they're from because I think in the original film there is something like them, like these figures you can't really see because they're rounding up the donkeys. I think that what was going on, but I was so distracted by all the unnecessary CGI in this movie. Like, I hate when movies just over-CGI crap that they don't have to do. You could have easily just built a freaking carnival set and, yeah, made have, like, a few CGI things here and there, but it went over the top. Stop Disney and everyone else. Stop going over the top on CGI for no real reason. It just makes things look so much cheaper. It's like, no, just practical sets should still be a thing, y'all. They should still be a thing as much as you possibly can. They should, like, a carnival's not that hard to, to, to work with. I just watched the Are You Afraid of the Dark thing with the, the Mr. Top Hat, whatever, and they have a carnival scene in that, and it's pretty decent. There might be some computer animation in there. I'm, I'm sure of it. Of, of course, the scorpions and stuff, but, like, I just mean, like, the practical sets. You can still do that. You can still have all of those things. In fact, you probably could have shot it in Disneyland and done it in the Fantasyland segment. Like, you could have done something there, but instead... It was just, it was so overly CGI that I'm like, I don't care what's happening. Just make it stop. Like, I remember the Pleasure Island uh, from the movie Geppetto, um, which was with Drew Carey and also with Usher, another movie that I saw too. I think, um, what, some, uh, Drivis, what is her last name, her first name? I don't remember. She's from the show Seinfeld. She played the Blue Fairy. That was a decent version of Pinocchio as well. It's not my favorite version of Pinocchio, but it was a decent version of Pinocchio too. It gave me a very Brandy with Cinderella vibe too with it. And obviously having Usher in it too was like, so cool. I love seeing, I was like, what are you doing in this? I think Wayne Brady's in that film too as well. So that was kind of cool. A, another cool version of Pinocchio. Um, but yeah, a lot like Pinocchio, Pinocchio has been able to stay relevant throughout the decades. And I, like I said, I think it's, it's the song when it was from the star. It's the relationship I think Geppetto has to Pinocchio that I think a lot of people can resonate with. It's Pinocchio himself. And of course it's Jiminy Cricket. It's, it's that, you know, Always wanting to do good, look on the bright side character. And I have to say, I think the Blue Fairy is pretty iconic too. I did see her at the Halloween events this year, Disneyland. Um, it was her and Merlin. And I loved seeing like those iconic characters. I remember seeing Blue Fairy a part of the Year of a Million Dreams parade, which is my favorite Disneyland parade ever. And she was in that too with the other fairies too. So 
keep it coming with the representation of the Blue Fairy and just all the characters in Pinocchio. Like, Pinocchio's really cool. He's he's one of my favorite Disney children, I have to say. Like, him, Peter Pan, um, Arthur, Mowgli, Tarin. Um, of course, I love the girls, too. Wendy, Alice, um, Tiger Lily, some some of the other ones, too. Like, cute. Love them. But I love Pinocchio. It all started with him, and I'll start with Pinocchio. And so, I wish Disney would release a Pinocchio toy set. They really have. And I only have... I have the ones from McDonald's, like, that came in the 100 years of Disney thing. But I haven't seen a Pinocchio toy set in, like, the last 20 years. And I'm like, why not? Like, just do a cute little toy set with him. Uh, by the way, I wanted to talk about Lambic real quick because in the movie, the Italian Pinocchio film, there's um, a boy in there. His name is not Lambic, but he's essentially Lambic, who dies. Um, he turns into a donkey because of the Pleasure Island thing. And then him and Pinocchio are like trapped in a cell or whatever, and he dies. Yeah, over time, he ends up dying. And that was really sad. I was like, dude, you really just killed off this kid? Like, this character? Like, I mean, in the movie, he's played by a full-grown man. But essentially, he's a kid. And you killed him off? I was like, dude, that's so sad. That was so freaking sad. And that turned me off. I was like, I was very much like, I don't like this movie. No. Like, I, and I love the, the new Adventure of Pinocchio movie, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas one, because there is a Lampwick in that film, too. And they give him the name of Lampwick, which I love. Um... And he's Pinocchio's best friend in the sequel. Like, in the sequel, that Lampwick has a lot to do with the story, and he's Pinocchio's best friend. He does turn into a sea donkey, though, which I thought was kind of weird, but I loved it at the same, like, the same time. And it was just cool to have Pinocchio to have, like, a little companion. I like what they do with the Blue Fairy in the, in the sequel to this one. They kind of make them a couple, because in this version of Pinocchio, the Blue Fairy is a child. Um, I'm also assuming that she's ageless. Actually, no, that's not what they do. They... they, they Hint that he likes her, that she likes him too. And then he meets a real girl in town who's played by the same actress who looks just like her. So, because she's played by the same actress, but you know what I mean. So, they essentially, like, give him a girlfriend at the very end of this movie who happens to look just like a blue fairy. So, I thought that was a cute little little uh, nod to that relationship. That was cute. I liked that. Um, anything else? Oh, and then, of course, the... the um, Pinocchio in Kingdom Hearts. I have to talk about that because honestly, and that's another one that was in the very first Kingdom Hearts game, the very first Kingdom Hearts game. We get swallowed by Monstro and we have to go find a possessed Pinocchio thanks to freaking Riku. And that was fun. That was a, well, actually, no, it was a pain in the ass. <laughs> that level was a pain in the ass to me. I hated going through all those blue doors and hoping I'm going the right way. I hated that. And then when you get knocked off the thing, because you haven't learned like fly or glide yet, so you have to jump back on those stupid things like those little uh those i don't know like they're not mushrooms but like little blue mushroom looking things to jump up and get out of the doors i and then some doors will lock to you and you're fighting flying heartless who are super freaking obnoxious and likes to fly right into you and bash into you fuck those heartless man fuck those heartless i i hated that level and i hated riku in that level and then you had to fight that thing with the stomach jail with pinocchio's in that was a clever looking heartless but it was a pain in the ass to fight and then like there was like little acid pits or whatever around it that was a pain in the butt and then he comes back in dream drop distance which i love because in that version of the game you get to go to pleasure island and it's actually kind of cool and actually kind of fun you get to see pinocchio as a donkey like it was a really good time like honestly when i saw 
that trailer and I saw that you get to go to Pinocchio's world. Bro, I'm what I'm telling you, I lost it. I freaking lost it. And that was cool because Pinocchio is such an old Disney property. And in that game, they were they did a lot of things in that game. I'm not even gonna say they only focused on new stuff. They did they didn't. They did a lot of things in Dream Drop Distance, which is why I love that game. Because you go to Traverse Town, which you're used to by that point, but you're also going to newer worlds like Tron Legacy. That's pretty dope. You went into Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is like Bam, smack in the 90s. I loved that. Then you're also going back to the 2000s with like the, the Musketeers thing. But it kind of feels like old Mickey too because it's Musketeers. You're doing the Fantasia thing. And then you're also doing again Pinocchio. So you're kind of going into these different times in like in Disney. And then they're bringing in Square Enix characters of World Ends With You. And like that was like a 2000s game. So again, you're kind of, it's this weird mesh of like super new Disney um, like mid 2000s, 90s Disney, and then straight up like old school beginning Disney. You even fight Ursula from 1989. So you kind of have that kind of mix in there too with the Little Mermaid stuff. So there's some really cool stuff that happens in Dream Drop Distance. But my favorite, one of my favorite levels in that game was definitely the Pinocchio level because it was cool to go to Pleasure Island and kind of like see all the, the stuff there. That was pretty dope. And I like the trampolines and the music on that level was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it was overall, like I said, it was a fun level and. I love the mechanics. In, like, I played it on the 3DS. That's when I first... I played it when it first came out. And it was for the 3DS. So I loved the mechanics that you could play with with that game. It made, I think, every level a little more fun than what it is now. And the Dream Eaters. I loved the Dream Eaters. In that, oh, my God. Dude, if the Dream Eaters ever come back to, like... Like, I mean, in, in a more... Like, a bigger capacity than, than they have come back, I would freaking love that i loved the dream eaters that was one of my favorite parts of that whole game was creating new dream eaters and i i think i ended up with like the tyrannosaurus and the lion those i think were my top two dream eaters and me and them yo we kicked ass every fucking time we kicked so much ass we were so cool but i loved it anyway getting back to pinocchio then i'm gonna end this so yeah pinocchio is iconic there's 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 nothing else to really say except for that story is iconic, that movie's iconic, and he's just a character that I think will always, you know, find his way, I, th I think, in, in relevancy. I think Pinocchio will always have a space and a place in everyone's heart. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, he's not a princess, so he won't have, like, you know, he won't, you know, princes have like their, their own little princess line of things. You get to see them in the parks and stuff. The princesses, there will always be a space for the Disney princesses. Who's a part of the lineup might change, but there will always be a space for them. So characters like Snow White, Cinderella, Ariel, essentially will never die, will never have a hard time staying relevant. Other characters will not have that same, um, uh, that same advantage. But that's on Disney. That At the end of the day, that really is on Disney to keep these kids. Like, I don't see why. Because you have a princess, like, line of things. Why don't you have a kid's line of things? Why don't you have a, a line of kids, Disney kid characters, geared towards children? I just think that makes so much sense. If you put Alice, Lilo, Mowgli, um, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, the kids from Luca, Doc McStuffins, whomever, you put them in a line of kids, right? Like, you know, in a, in a toy line, in a clothing line, and you just throw it out there to Target, Walmart, whatever, with, with each kid's face on it. And guess what's going to happen? 
these kids are going to remain relevant. Their parents are going to show them more things with them. If you did like an animated series on Disney Channel or Disney Plus with the little kids in like 3D renders because kids today love 3D. Or you could even do like, you know, the anima- the hand-drawn animation, what- whatever. But you show these characters, you know, to, to this new generation of kids. And I guarantee you these kids would love them. I can guarantee that. If you just did a show based around these things, you don't even have to connect their world. You can just do like, you know, weekly episodes of these kids doing these these various things. Pinocchio's got a really big world you can play off. Peter Pan has a whole Neverland Island. You did Jake and the Neverland Pirates, right? You can do a Peter Pan TV show of the same sort of vein, but in this in this series, each kid would have their own couple of episodes that you focus on them for, but they go back and forth. You'd go Pinocchio one episode, then you go Alice one episode, then you go Peter Pan, you go Lilo and Stitch, whomever, and you just do these different, you know, have these different kids doing whatever they do, make it a clothing line, make it a toy line, and bam, these characters that you're, you know, don't let them go to waste. And then and then characters like Pinocchio won't be relics. And not saying that he is a relic now, he's not, but saying like they won't ever really have to be if you just keep introducing them to new generations in new ways. Especially of a lot of these other kids, like Mowgli, Christopher Robin. Um, I mean, Christopher Robin's kind of, he'll never really fade because of Pooh, but he could. I mean, they've, they've had many Pooh things without Christopher Robin. He's the smallest part of that show or that, you know, that series there is. Even though it's about him and his adventures, it's more about Pooh, Tigger, Eeyore, um, Piglet, Rabbit, Kangaroo, Gopher. Um, Gopher's not in it that much. Owl. But you, you get what I'm saying, Kessie. The Heffalum. The Woozles. You get what I'm saying. Um, so, I mean, yeah, definitely try doing something like that with these kid characters. Even characters like Tarin and Melody, Ariel's daughter, and Urchin. I mean, Urchin wouldn't be a part of this because Urchin's, like, Ariel's age. But you get what I'm saying. Like, there's a way. And Jane, Wendy's daughter Jane. You don't have to choose Wendy. You can choose Jane. Or you can choose Wendy and put John and Michael in there, too. You could do whatever you want to keep these characters on a more relevant schedule. You can even add, like, you can even do one of the human kids and one of, like, the, the, the non-human kids with, like, Dumbo, Pinocchio, um, or Pinocchio, sorry, Dumbo, Bambi, the Aristocat kids, you know, some of the Dalmatians, and just do, like, a line of little kid Disney characters geared towards their target audience, children, and these characters would stay relevant. Like, it's so easy. It's so easy. It might be easier said than done because budgeting and stuff. But I imagine it's so easy. You're just not doing it. It's so easy. It's just, it's so easy. I just, I look at the Disney princesses and I'm like, this is so cute. How come there's no Disney prince line like this? No Disney kid line like this? Why isn't there? Especially in, in today's day and age where parents are so caught up in the love lives of of animated children and who they should be with who they should be with and who they should not be with maybe if you geared them more towards these things these characters who don't really have love interests because they're just adolescent children you might get these parents to just chill the fuck out but you also might put more money in your pockets i don't know it's really up to you at this point there's money anyway so (laughs) i'm wrapping this up that's really the end of this. Pinocchio, 1940, one of my favorite Disney films of all time because of the animation, because of the storytelling, and because of the music. When You Wish Upon a Star is going to go down in history as just, it's it's Disney's theme song. It's already gone down in history. It is Disney's theme song. Um, Jiminy Cricket, um, just absolutely amazing. His voice actor is super iconic. Dickie Jones, super iconic for his accomplishment of being like the first animated, like the voice of the first animated Disney child character. Um, 
And yeah, it's just, it's so cool. And it's, it's such a great movie that I think will always stand the test of time. And honestly, it's still my favorite version of Pinocchio ever. And considering it was done in 1940, and that's not even me being biased. It's just the truth. It's a great movie. There's biases, and there's something that you just cannot deny. And what you can't deny is Walt Disney's version of Pinocchio from 1940 is the best one. It's so good that everything that's come since then has not been as good as that. That's amazing. I can't say that for every, for every Disney film and everything Disney's put their hands on, but I can say that this version of Pinocchio from 1940 is still the best version of Pinocchio there is. And I'm so excited for it to turn 90 soon in the next like seven years and then turn 100 that's gonna be crazy oh my gosh i might even be alive for that oh lord but yeah that's gonna be exciting i will see you guys next time i will talk about fantasia coming up next have a great rest of your day night evening afternoon whenever you're listening to this peace